faith comes by hearing. And my translation of that version is faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing. And it's often the the Bible teaches that the word of God is a two-edged sword. And the word of God exposes your incorrect thinking and then also invites you into correct thinking. Two-edged sword, it cuts two ways. And often when God speaks, it will often bring to the surface trauma that you need deliverance from. Uh, Moses is this incredible example of this. Moses, uh, called of God, grows up in royalty, we know, and his own mom raises him, if you know the story, and then he's on, you know, kill someone, <laughs> gets a little angry. You, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's also a key part of walking with the Lord, that you have to learn that there are aspects of your personality that unless they come under the dominion of God, they'll be perverted. So he's got this justice thing going on, and it, and it runs opposite to how God wanted him to use it, so he kills someone. And so uh, that's why uh, many people... Uh, who are called to live lives of great intimacy and fellowship with the Lord, the enemy will introduce pornography for him because it is the opposite of true intimacy. Or many seers too, because when your mind is, with seer prophetic people, when your mind is flooded with images, you can't see correctly. And uh, as another key point is your... Uh, you were not created to have two different appetites. Meaning the only appetite you were supposed to receive from was the voice of God. And so many people uh, often don't realize it's kind of very similar to an exercise routine. You can begin to work out and you would develop and you'll get stronger cardio, weights and different things. But if you keep eating pizza and bad things every night, then you will still not fully develop because you're not intended to have two different appetites. So uh, Moses finally, you know, is on the backside of the desert and he sees a burning bush. Most people probably, uh, many people think he's probably seen lots of different burning bushes. It's a desert, so these little fires would break up. And he sees the burning bush and catch the intentionality of leaning into the Lord. It's only when he says, I'm going to turn aside and see what the Lord is doing that, that God says, now I'm going to speak to him. New Testament is James 4, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's a beautiful guarantee. You draw near to him every day. He'll draw near. He's got to. That's one thing I knew at 18. I, I, bake, I, I, I bank my life on that. He's got to show up. So I just kept showing up every day with him, to meet with him. So, and then what does God do? God speaks to him and go, by the way, I, I've heard the cries of my people. See, often what we identify as problems, we're actually called to fix in the world. So, I've heard the cries of my people. I'm the God who hears and I'm the God who delivers. And guess what? You're going to be my spokesman for deliverance. And first, and then he goes, that's a pretty great prophetic word. Good word. And uh, then he's like, no, 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 I can't. What happened? All the trauma and insecurity came to the surface. 
And even though God is giving him this brilliant word of promise, brilliant word of governing authority, that he can't, he's, he can't see beyond the own issues of his heart. That's not bad. It's just actually part of walking with the Lord. Don't beat yourself up with it. But it is an opportunity for divine exchange. I remember years ago, uh, God is incredibly practical, you know. You know, you're, you, I think I mentioned similar story. You know, you, you're spending time with the Lord or you're in a wonderful meeting where God's touching people. And you're like, Lord, I give you my life. You're like, I go to Africa, go to Brazil. Just go anywhere you want me to go. And then he's like, I need you to forgive your mom. I'll go to Africa. I'll go to... <laughs> he's incredibly practical. He's not, like, he's not this spooky out there God. He's very, very practical. He'll start dealing. So what happens is he speaks, and then he often will speak for a divine exchange. So God speaks, and so... Uh, I remember years ago, I heard this, this uh, met this, he's since gone on to be with the Lord, incredible prophet. I met him before a service, and I was in this particular meeting. And first thing he does when he stands up, I got a prophetic word, Brad, but he's a very interesting man. He had these toys and stuff, you know, he's very charismatic. So he's going, whoo, he blows this thing, and I'm on the other side of the stage, and he's given this prophetic word. And I'm thinking, I thought he was done ministering to me, but he kept going. And I'm thinking, who, whoever's getting that word, that's a good word. And he was still prophesying to me. And I could not identify with the person he was speaking about. Why? He's bringing to the surface the issues in your heart for a place of divine exchange. And sometimes if you think you're so awesome where you think you can do it, he just brings you to a desert, not to destroy you, but to show you your need for God. So Joseph's like the opposite side of that story. Joseph's like, I can do it. He's like, yeah, I know. You will do it. I like that confidence, but I need you to see that I'm your source. So he doesn't bring you a desert to kill you. He brings you to teach you how to lean into him as the oasis in every season. There's never any wasted time in God, by the way. So faith comes by hearing. I, and, and here's another key aspect of the fundamentals. And it says, when God begins to identify something with you, don't change the subject unless he has. Remember years ago, uh, I'd done a conference with, actually, if I mentioned, you know who it was, and the Lord said, I want you to listen to all these teachings. I'm still listening to these teachings. I think we're now year 10, 11, year later, still getting it inside of me. I've been reading probably right now, I think I'm in my fourth or fifth year of reading the book of Daniel. Every day, almost every day, about 98% of the days, Daniel, finish it. I go, oh, that was... Awesome. Sometimes I get stuck. How do, how do I, how do, how I read the Bible? Really slow. Because <laughs> I go, this was really good. I'm going to have to go back to this tomorrow. Because there's something you're saying, and I don't really have language for it. So I'll go back to it again tomorrow. And then three weeks later, I find that I'm stuck in the same chapter in the New Testament. And so don't change the subject if he hasn't changed the subject. But we said we're in a defining moment. And we defined a defining moment as a point at which the essential nature of a character, the essential na nature of character of a person or group of people is revealed. And we also said that God will uh, judge us not for what we're doing, but for what he's called us to do. Uh, Paul makes this clear in his uh, letter to the church of Corinth. And he says, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I have a dear friend, he since just last year went to be with the Lord working uh, on a team now at his network, but uh, he said something that 
really helped me. He said, the Lord told him five years into his ministry, he said, most of what you've done in the first five years of your ministry won't last into eternity because he did it incorrectly. So you want to, look, it's quiet with that. Welcome to Sunday night. So, you know, I'd rather know now than then. I'd rather know now than then when I stand before him. And you know, one of the, the, the signs of maturity is the ability to be self-aware. And also the ability to recognize, I don't know if you know this, you have a relationship with yourself. You really do. And the ability to learn how to steward that and govern yourself is actually a key to walking the authority that God gave you. So you don't get judged for the things you do. You get judged for the things he called you to do. And God is, is justified in that because he has uh, set aside everything you would... This is really good news. Everything that you would ever need before you came to earth, he's already provided. That's why it's good news to all people. Everything you need is found in God and his kingdom. You don't need... Men and women to manipulate them, fight you with it. He's got it taken care of. Need a job. He'll help you get a job. The kid's on drugs. He'll help your kid get off drugs. I'm bound to some things. He'll help you get unbound to some things. You need some miracles. He'll help you do miracles. And pretty much what you find out is he's good at everything. <laughs> Beyond good. He created it all, so he must be really good. So you don't get judged for what you're doing, get judged for what he called you to do. And we looked at the New Testament as a template for God's original intention. And our, our, one of our foundational scriptures this morning was Matthew 13, 52. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom uh, new treasures as well as the old. Then we also read Genesis 1, which we'll read here in a moment. And we, we made these statements here or, or made these premises that are foundational. God's primary promise to man was not heaven, but the earth. God's primary promise to man was not heaven, but the earth. Jesus prayed, he told us to pray, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be pray that heaven would come to earth. So he told us to pray. I want to suggest to you, he doesn't give prayers. He doesn't, he can't answer or doesn't want to answer. In fact, one of the characteristics when you read about moves of God, often the, the statement is made is this. It was like heaven on earth. And often, sometimes what we see as visitations is, is God's invitation to normal life on the earth. So God's primary promise to man was not heaven, but the earth. Excuse me. God never gave to humanity a religion, but a kingdom. You'll notice, too, that Jesus' primary focus was the kingdom of God. You'll, there's not one phrase in Scripture where you will find that Jesus called people to a sinner's prayer. Not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's not in there from God's perspective. A New Testament believer, which most of them were Jews, would not understand that concept. Here's how they would understand the gospel. They had been promised 
for hundreds of years that there's going to be a king that breaks in his kingdom and that when that kingdom breaks in, heaven has now come to earth and broken into this dispensation and they were looking for someone to be that king. And since Jesus was that king, this is, what, this is how Paul understood the gospel, there, there, there's no accidents in God. The reason... He choose, one of the reasons that Paul quickly identifies that Jesus is the Messiah is because he's been studying the law. That's the perversion of a religious spirit. He's going to kill, he's going to kill believers in the name of God. That's what a religious spirit does. It kills believers and non-believers alike in the name of God. But he immediately identified something. He goes, oh, this is the Messiah I've been promised. So what they believed was God was now breaking into this age and there is a kingdom here now. It's also why it caused them some problems because uh, the, those in authority in, in, in God's people for Israel had an agreement with the Romans. Now you got these people talking, hey, the kingdom is here now. By the way, it's already not yet, in case you're wondering how I think on that. Sorry, it's here, but it's not yet. It's not fully here. So they say, they say, they're talking about this kingdom. They're talking about that Jesus has come and resurrected. And here's also how they identify. This is not new stuff taking place in our world. They identified them because they were sexually faithful to their spouse in a very immoral culture. One of the ways they knew that they were real believers of this kingdom was that they only had relations with people they were in covenant with. Another way they knew them as believers is they helped the poor. So there was this community, so they were getting at both ends. The Jews, one of the reasons Jews attacked them so mercifully is they were afraid of losing political power because most early believers were Jews who simply correctly believed that Jesus the Yeshua was their promised Messiah. That's why they did not stop doing some of what we consider law compliant. Now it's interesting, the shift we've made. They didn't consider themselves Christians. They simply believed they were... the correctly that the progression of the promise that they receive was now Jesus the Messiah. That's why there's a discord because they're going, hey, they should go to, you know, they should go to the synagogue and they should you know, not eat pork like us. And then you know, we know what they decide then. Interesting. So that's how they understood the gospel. Not even saying some of the, the expressions that we have today, even as believers, are completely wrong, but this is how they understood the gospel. This is how they understood the gospel of the kingdom. And it was an all-encompassing gospel that touched every area of life. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, the reason we emphasize this point that God promised to man the earth, not heaven, his primary promise was this, is if you read the things in the law, what is he doing? He is founding a healthy society to bring heaven on earth. In fact, his word to the nation of Israel is like this. It shall be like days of heaven on earth. And I've heard people mock certain things. Well, what's he doing there? It's like a camping thing. No, if you read some of the things in there, you can live a healthy way. What does he tell them? When you use the bathroom in the desert, please put it up. Why? Sanitary. He taught them how to take care of the poor. How did he take care of the poor? Listen, 
If there's poor among you, when you agriculture society, when you finish up, leave the outside so they can pick it up. Notice he didn't just hand it to them. He gave them dignity by giving them the ability to pick it up. And then what did he do? He had this concept called the year of Jubilee. Now, the good thing, when Jesus came, it was now complete Jubilee. What did he do? If there was debts, all those debts got canceled after seven years. What's he teaching you? God doesn't like perpetual poverty. And he says, these are like the days of heaven on earth. That's why when Jesus came, I've came that you might have life and life abundantly. He cared about how people lived on the earth because he brought in his kingdom. He cares about people. Notice he tells, his command to them is that if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. They don't die physically right away. What does that teach you? Life outside of God is dead. Religion was created by the devil and his demons enforced it to keep humanity distracted from God's primary purpose. That's one of the things. The enemy cannot stop anyone from getting born again. But one of the things he'll do to believers is just make them really religious. So, so they're out doing a bunch of stuff in the name of God that God never called them to do. Humanity in right relationship was to prove the existence of God. That's a big point. Back to Paul here. Interesting story there, right? In the New Testament. Paul saw on a way to persecute believers. He, the Holy Spirit, knocks him off the donkey. So the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. That's American. <laughs> we, we, we make up stuff that's not in the Bible to make people feel good. I just come. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. That's Paul. Anyway, so Jesus speaks to him. Very interesting. Jesus is not on the earth. He's in heaven. He's already left. Went out. And Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? Jesus is not physically on the earth. Why are you persecuting me? Apparently, if you persecute believers, it's like you're touching Jesus. So now the flip side is this responsibility. Jesus expects your life to look like him. Now, he likes how he made you. There are things that you are drawn to. There are things that you like. There are things that you do. There are things that excite you. The things that have been created in this world are for man's enjoyment. I don't know why. I don't know how many types of purple there are. I don't know why all these things. I don't know why. Somebody out there likes them. They're for the enjoyment of man. The reason that's important is often, uh, it's, it's maybe not told we, we have this concept, especially in America, is that everyone should be the same. And we actually talk people about out of the expression that they could bring through Jesus. I believe God is the originator of rock music. I believe God is the originator of rap. I believe God originated all these things to be sanctified, to reach a certain segment of the world who is attracted to that, to put the message of God in it. But because the enemy has been a better creator often, 
Calvin called this concept the common grace. What is common grace? It is the ability, it is God's hand on unredeemed humanity, unborn again, to bring effective and graceful things into the world for the betterment of society. Think about what happens there. I don't know how we're getting in, but here we go. Uh, think about this, this concept of um, the Tower of Babel. God makes this statement. He said, if they put their mind to this, it could happen. So think about the inward strength inside of even unredeemed humanity to bring creative expression to the earth. How much more with God? I don't know how we got on that, but that felt right. That'll set some of you free. Humanity in right relationship was to prove the existence of God. Our citizenship in heaven gives us access to truth that can reshape the world. All of humanity was given purpose and power over the earth, not power over human beings. That's a big point. Man's purpose could never be accomplished without faith in God. Now let's go to Genesis 1. That's a key point right there. Genesis 1:26. Everybody still with me? Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth. That concept of giving man authority and dominion in the earth is God is so committed to his word. That's why when Adam and Eve are, are like making poor choices, he doesn't jump in. He goes, no, no, don't do it. He gave them the power to make choice and governing authority. It's also why he's got to come as a man through the perfect seed. He is so committed to his word, he can't violate it in the, in the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female, male and female, male and female, male and female, male and female. Now, one of the reasons... And we're talking about some fundamentals that should be in your belief system. One of the reasons why this is so, uh, this is so prevalent, and it's just been really unmasked, it's been out there for a long time, it's just unmasked now in our society is this, is because that is delusional thinking. And what you need to remember is when you were outside of Christ, you could not see the world correctly. How I view myself before I surrendered my life to Christ is one step short of mental illness. Why? Because mental illness, one of, the, one, of the, one of the beliefs that opens you up to mental illness is delusions. You delude it enough, you, you will probably open the door to mental illness. So what does the enemy want? He wants an entire society agreeing with delusions. So now he's got a whole society of mentally deficient people seeing the world in a perverted way. And he's adamant that you agree with it. Then God blessed them and said to him, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's go to verse 26. That's important. Image is like this pattern. Uh, one translation of that word image, Hebrew teslam, is shadow. So what is the first thing that you see he gives characteristic man? It is the very uh, 
the nature of God. You're not a little God, but you were made in the image of God. So there is an aspect of the personality of God on the inside of you. Catch the pattern there. He makes humanity in the image of God. And then the next thing he does is give them governing authority. Many believers back away from that concept of dominion. And I believe properly because many times it's, it's taught incorrectly. It's not about taking over. It's not about, it's not about asserting rights. It's not about getting rid of people in positions. It is about standing up for righteousness, but it is way beyond that. It's the American way of looking at it. You are made in the image of God. What's part of that? The character of God. So the character of God is given to you first so you can have authority and have dominion in your world and subdue the enemy so you can serve your world properly, not get back of everyone who didn't believe in you. Also, you'll see man is created perfect. Man is created to know the love of God. He is completely made perfect. He is completely accepted by God from day one. Perfect. And here's the other part about this whole scenario. Now, the beauty of this is this was just the beginning. It was only supposed to get better from that place. Say that again. It was only supposed to get better from that place. It was... Humanity longs to go back to that place, but it was only the beginning point between God and man. He doesn't express love. He is love. Then we said the blessing. He gave him the blessing. He empowered him to prosper. And you'll notice, too, that the first voice that man hears is the voice of God. Humanity was created to trust God and trust his words to him. God transfers understanding from, of, of, uh, from God to man of an understanding of his authority through the words he speaks. He is supposed to receive information from two different places. One is the realm of the senses. Don't think your senses are bad. They're God-given they're God sight. He looked at he looked at uh, Eve. He said, Lord Jesus, that's good. I like that, Lord. Here. He did. Hopefully you think your wife is, is the most beautiful woman in the world, you know. Here. He heard. Not only did he hear the voice of God, but he heard the beauty of God's creation. He smelled. He smelled the apples. He smelled the air. Perfect air. Taste. He tusks the most perfect uh, 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 vegetables you'll ever taste in the world. You also notice something else. There's not a house. There's not running water. There's no internet. The earth was created as a place of discovery for man to make life better on the earth. So inside of every person, there's a unique curiosity connected to your purpose that you must lean into to release the creativity of God on the inside of you. You were made to be curious about things and to ask God questions. So your senses are not bad, but you cannot be led by your senses. Here's another fundamental point that's extremely important. God is three distinct persons, one God. I've been around the body of Christ a long time, still have vacation, Bible school, all. I think they are way, they just fall way short of describing that mystery. But you are three parts as well. Just like God's three parts are supposed to operate in synchronization with each other, and they do, 
Your three parts are supposed to operate in synchronization with each other. One of the marks of maturity is that your body, your spirit, and your soul are all... By the way, this concept of, you know, here to there, it's not biblical. The biblical pattern is the inward man of the heart. This is where everything lies, right here. And it is extremely important for all of these to be in operation together. You could have a prophetic word that you're called to 20 nations. If you're 150 pounds overweight, it'll be very difficult to do anything in the nations of the earth. Why? Because your three parts are out of alignment with each other. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I have grace for you. I get it all. But your body is important. You were made, notice, again, the distortion. You were made to enjoy food, not to be governed by food. You are made to enjoy sex, not to be governed by sex, not to have it perverted, not to have images inside of you of things that are not even real. So all these things are distorted appetites. One example is uh, often, not today, I do it today, I didn't sleep very much last night, but... Often, if I'll teach in the morning, I'm ministering at night, which is often, I, what happens? I'm a little tired after my morning session. So I'll go for a run. What does it do? It gets my body, what immediately, I lay down for 10 minutes and I can hear the voice of God. I'm sensitive to different things. So your body is not unimportant in this process. Part of the process of sanctification is that your body begins to come into alignment. Your body was created to come into alignment with the will of God. You're led by the Spirit, but as you walk and grow in righteousness, your body will often give you indication of things going wrong. Right? of Hebrews says, when your senses what are fully trained, you can discern both good and evil. David says in an old covenant, my heart, so I, I, I know people like this whole thing, that's my flesh, like you're not like, you're not like this distorted thing, you have authority over that, it's what are you putting in front of you? <laughs> Years ago, I was, uh, actually my friend I just talked about, I was doing like a leadership thing for him in California, his wife is very nice to me, and uh, maybe she felt bad at me because I'm a single guy, but uh, then, you know, <laughs> then you know, I like cheesecake, so she comes to be like the, the Saturday session. She goes, I, she asked me the day before, though, how what kind of cheesecake you like? And I listed a few. I didn't realize she was going to get all of them. <laughs> she got them all. So she comes in the next day, I got your cheesecake. And you need to try all of it. And I'm an obedient servant of the Lord. So <laughs> I had not ate cheesecake in a while. So I tried a little bit of everything. I'm under authority. And I, and I remember getting to my hotel room. I get to my hotel room, like, no more cheesecake. Like, have no, like, not anything for like five. Like, I like cheesecake. Here's, here's one sign for me. Anytime I feel like I have to do something, I don't do it. So I don't want anything to have me like that. So, cheesecake, right? Yeah, cheesecake. So, no more cheesecake, is what I'm saying to myself. Next day, I'm teaching on Sunday morning, kind of like this, and, you know, going for it. And I'm teaching, and all I can think about is having another piece of cheesecake. <laughs> what happened? I put something into my body. But David said he was so around the presence of the Lord that his body began to crave the very presence. In 
a covenant that is inferior to what we have the privilege of experiencing. So your body is not unimportant. I, I, I really emphasize. Your body will also often tell you when something is wrong. I understand why there is a thought often. Don't be led by I understand because many times people have used feelings or used God to justify their stupidity. Well, I just feel led of the Lord. You know, like, and it's really dumb what they're doing. But your, your body will often in, give you indication something is off. Sometimes I'll walk into a room and be like, woo, stay away from that person. You know, it's going nuts on the inside, you know. And they're saying all the right things. Like the devil's a liar. But you listen long enough, that demon will come out. I'm not calling them a demon. I'm just calling the demon controlling them. I don't know why Christians get all worked up about that. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you. So do demons. What's the open door? They need places to hang out in. When you agree with him. That's why I want to deal with your stuff quickly. You leave that door open. They don't, and they don't just come for a little piece. They come for a complete takeover. They're like government officials, some of them. <laughs> so your body is not unimportant. Here's the other place man was supposed to receive information. But your body can't guide you. He... Man cannot understand himself outside of revelation knowledge. He can't look in a mirror and go, I'm trying to find out who I am. Only God can tell him that. And what does God tell him? I've given you all authority. Governing power. What does immediately he must recognize? The thing that he must recognize is this. I can't do this without God. And he does. So another fundamental is now he's going to walk with God and God is going to graciously begin to teach him how to see the world. He's giving him words. He's never done some of the things he's done. Now look at some, another fundamental. Look at Genesis 2 now. Verse 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In that day, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any, catch this. Catch this, catch this. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field was grown, for, why, why, why has it not grown? Why has it not grown? Listen to me, Linda. For the Lord, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth. Why didn't he cause it to rain? Because there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. What's he teaching us? He goes, the first responsibility for humanity was to steward what God had already created. It's a fundamental part. How are you stewarding your life right now? It's the, it's the beauty of walking with the Lord. You're like, you know you got this ministry that God calls you or this beautiful thing that you know is impossible. And so he just starts to, you, the reason he's doing it is because you're going to need, to, why does Joseph's integrity get challenged? Why? Because he's going to need integrity to govern. So what's the picture he's presenting us? When you learn how to govern yourself, you can govern the world around you. He first governed himself, and then he governed the world. It's the, it's the little nudges that 
you know are from the Lord. He says, pay for that person's groceries. Do this, do that. Go over there. I think sometimes, I, you know, I've told a few things he's asked me to do over the last few years. I don't know if you realize this, but I'm working really hard for you. How do I have time for this? And then I realize, if I don't do it, I'm already dying. And he would never ask me to do something that would kill me. So stewardship is an essential part of that. And we said, he's walk, so he's walking with man in the garden. I want you to see something else. Verse 11, the name of the first is Pishon, and one of the outskirts of the land of Azilah, there is gold, and the gold of the land is good, Bedulam, onyx, and stone. The name of the second is Gishon, which is one, one which goes around the whole of Cush. And the name of the third is Hiddo. It is the one which goes towards Assyria. The fourth is Euphrates. The reason I read that is I want you to see that he planted heaven on earth in the space he gave Adam. Verse 15, it's really important. So what does he do? He gives him this understanding, and here's a big part. A revelation of your purpose does not automatically mean your purpose will come to pass. A revelation of purpose and God's word to you is what qualifies you to do what he asks you to do. What qualifies me to stand in front of you? It's not an ordination. It's not people laying hands on me. Man and women can only recognize what God has already called. Yeah, you like people like I got a prophet, I got a certificate, I'm a prophet, I'm modeling, and they blew, you know, put oil on me, and they blow a shofar, they dance over me. Doesn't register if it's not God. Men and women can only recognize. So, how can I stand in front of you with the authority that God, God called me? But knowing God called me to do something is not what manifests or qualifies me to manifest the dream that he gave for my life. It's the choices you make within the context of knowing what God has called you to do that determines if you fulfill purpose. So here he tells him, the Lord commanded the man of the tree of the garden of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it, for in that day you shall surely die. So what does he do? He, he is adding to the revelation of understanding. Now he's telling him, don't eat from that tree. This is how life is supposed to govern on the earth. Verse 19, out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Question. Did Adam ever go to Rutgers to learn zoology of how to name animals? No. Not against the pursuit of education. Lord Jesus, I'm working on a third degree. Thank you, Lord, for all those degrees you've called me to do. Not complaining, God. And he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Notice God holds him responsible now. So what does he have? He has, what does God do in your life? Stewardship, progressive revelation. And when we say revelation, it obviously does not go beyond the word of God, but probably goes beyond your understanding. So it's progressive. And what is he doing? He is governing his world and he's got to act according to the words of God, even though he's never done it. I hear people, I've just never done this. Yeah, welcome to walking with God. You know, we don't do that in our family. You're in a different family. 
So he's teaching you what this new family is about. He's got to act on it. So your faith in God causes you to have the lens of how you will understand the world. Your faith in God causes you to have a lens of how you understand the world. You don't understand the world through your intellect. You understand it through what Peter said is the hidden man of the heart. I want to read this to you. It's in the Bible. Hebrews 11. What does faith do? There is no, listen to me, Linda. There is no understanding of the world without faith in God. There is no understanding of God and the world without faith in God. Now faith is the substance of things over. I just want to declare to you tonight my love for the body of Christ. I love the body of Christ. I do. I love the different expressions, particularly the Pentecostal charismatic expressions. I'm Assembly of God, but I'm Southern Assembly of God because I believe you all should speak in tongues. I'm Catholic because I believe in the universal church and I take communion every day. I do. Catholics don't like that. They said, you need to be a priest. I am a priest. That's what I told them. I'm vineyard. Because I believe everyone should do this stuff. Everyone should pray for the sick. Everyone should lay hands on people. I'm word of faith. Because Paul says, this is the word of faith which we preach. I'm Pentecostal too because I like to shout. Yeah, I'm Baptist because I believe you got to be fully dunked. You do. None of this sprinkling stuff. Go down. Put them down, you know. <laughs> dig them. Dig them down. And, and when you know what you're doing. You know, I heard one real crazy thing as a kid growing up. I'm just not ready to be baptized. I was like, well, you're not born again then. Mm-hmm. That's all it means. It means you, anyway, so I, then here it is. For by it, the elders retain a good testimony. Catch this. By faith, we understand. By faith, Hebrews 11, verse 3. Can you put it up there, my dear friend back there? By faith, we understand. Notice it doesn't say that understanding comes and then you put your faith. It says by faith, you understand. So what you believe defines the lens by which you view reality. What you believe defines the lens by which you view reality. So here we go. God, back to Genesis 2 now, he watches how Adam is going to name the animals. So Adam, Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpable comparable to him. I identified with that verse for many years. (laughs) What qualifies him? God didn't say you're going to name the animals. He said have dominion. This is part of it. What does God do? He creates the world by calling things be not as though they are. He makes man in his image. 
He gives man this connection between him and God. You trust me, you'll understand the world. He steps into that and his words, he speaks words. Those animals do not know if it's God or Adam. They just know they're supposed to follow those words from God. Here's also what we know biblically. Biblically, when you name something, you define what it is. That's why everyone in this room should know what your name is, means. Because it prophesies your destiny. So what is he doing? He's prophesying to those animals what they should be, even cats. (laughs) So man's voice becomes the voice of God in the earth. What he believed, he spoke. What he spoke, he called things, be not as though they are, and they became. It's a picture of life in the kingdom. God brought him the animals. God is always the source, but he will not do what he's asked you to do. There are certain things that will never take place in your life. Unless you come into alignment with it. What is he being governed by? He's being governed by revealed knowledge. That's why later the writer of Proverbs. Without revealed knowledge. The people of God perish. Genesis 3 now. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman. Has God indeed said. You shall not eat of the tree of the garden. I want to suggest to you. That what he is after, again, is power. The chief struggle of man, and even with religion, is power in the earth. Ultimately, even I, I, I function in some advisory capacities, even disputes among believers, especially leaders, well, we just don't think, and really what they're saying is, I don't like the decisions being made, and I want the power in the church. He's after the power, but he's also after this. Here's what I believe. It's not expressly seen in the scripture, but I believe it to be absolutely true. They were supposed to live forever, ever. Why do women have, I think, 15 or 16,000 eggs? Supposed to have lots of kids because it wasn't going to hurt. It's getting quiet with that one. Where's he going with this? (laughs) So you have Adam. And many generations beyond that. Notice too, Adam had to be taught how to die. He doesn't die until he's like 930. So, because death was not instinctive to man. So, that tree was supposed to be there. And I believe it was supposed to be a outward picture of God as humanity's source. They would come, hey, Adam, what's the deal? We got to eat from everything, but we can't touch that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our tithe. (laughs) Gets quiet with that one, but it is. We don't touch what belongs to God. That tree is a sign that God is our source of all things. And we don't touch what belongs to God. That tree, not touching that tree, is a sign that we trust God to be our source of all things. I believe that with firm conviction. That's why if I had three pieces of bread, I'd give my tithe from the bread. 
because the tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe is my act of worship unto God. And I say, no matter what's happening in the world, I don't care inflation or anything, you are my source and I worship you with this that you have put in my hand. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree. So what I also, the reason I say that he was also after challenging God as their source. The woman said, we may eat. Then the serpent, I'm not going to read that whole verse for sake of time. It's already 8.03. The the jets have lost already, so we got time. (laughs) The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to eat and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. I want to back up for a moment because I want to make this point and we'll land the plane here. Verse 2, verse 25, because something's going to shift here in a minute in what we're reading. And they were both naked and his man, man and his wife were not ashamed. I want to suggest to you that the reason they're not ashamed is because their mind was thinking like God. And so when Adam and Eve look at each other, they are viewing each other as God viewed them. That's why God can talk to you in the shower. He doesn't think it's weird. He doesn't look at you. Oh, they're naked. I don't have any clothes on. He doesn't see it that way. There's no perversion. There's no, there's no, there's, there's nothing that we are infected with in how God views you. And so when they, what's happening, they have a word-ruled mind. Their mind is being governed with God's mind. And so what does the enemy do? He's challenging that with a lot. In verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it, and she gave, also gave it to her husband and he ate it. Then the eyes, notice, it's not talking about their natural eyes. He's talking about the eyes of their heart that govern how they see the world. Your belief system, which no one can see, defines the lens by which you view reality. That's why when Jesus came, he said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Because what was lost from man when this happened is they lost the ability to see correctly and notice too the enemy does not tempt them by revelation he operates through the senses he's distorting he challenges it comes with a thought the thought now comes in her heart takes resonance in her heart then she begins what is she doing she begins to look at the world through a lie The lie causes her to act. Faith comes by hearing. So does lies come come to distorted behavior. So now watch watch what happens. It's not just, the, the lie is not just singular. They believe a lie. What happens? Their bodies are now distorted. Their bodies are no longer functioning as God intended them to function. When you sin, 
your, there, there's a distortion, especially sexual morality brings a distortion to your, all sin in a sense is, is the same, but it doesn't have equal consequence. That's why sexual sin is among the worst because you're actually, you're actually inviting demons in acts of immorality. So their bodies become distorted. Notice, notice something else. The world becomes distorted. Why? Because they were given governing authority over the world. Uh, just, just my personal conviction. I believe that our country has never recovered from when Bill Clinton did what he did in the Oval Office. Why? Because he's a watchman over a nation. And he opened a door of immorality where in the years down the line, you would ask young people, is that quote-unquote sex? They said, no, it's not sex. Why? Because it released a perversion in the land. Why? Because he was given governing authority as the chief political person in our nation, probably the most powerful person in the world. So the things that you've been given governing authority over become distorted when you believe lies. You'll also see something else. Adam and Eve never had any problems until they believed lies. Now they're fighting with each other. This is a big one. That's why it's really important if you're a spouse to both go and really dig into a cleansing of your minds and your hearts. If not, your demons will try and destroy each other. So now the light is off. They're seeing the world incorrectly. The beautiful thing is now Jesus comes and what does he say through his ministry? We'll land the plane with this. Covered a lot of ground in sort of a short amount of time tonight. Jesus comes and he reintroduces this kingdom. Look at uh, verse 17. Luke 4, verse 17. Read on the New King James tonight. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me, he's quoting Isaiah 61. I want to suggest to you that if Jesus himself aligned with prophetic words over his life, how much more do you? I incorporate about two pages just about every morning I go through and I incorporate declarations that have to do with prophetic words I've received. I thank you, God, that whatsoever my hands touch, I use scripture too, are blessed. Thank you that the favor of God is on me, the favor of God surrounds me, the favor of God goes before me. The favor of God unlocks every door that needs to be unlocked. I thank you, God, that you've made me a brilliant teacher to the body of Christ. Revelation, knowledge, and scripture comes out to people as I teach. Thank you today, God, that you, you are opening the eyes of my understanding. Thank you that you've made me a brilliant writer, that the things that I produce go around the world to be effective, to equip people to do what you've called me to do. And it goes on and on. Thank you, Lord, that the blessing of the Lord makes me rich and adds no sorrow. Thank you that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So I thank you, God, that even today I'm making choices that store up for generations on the earth that I will never see. Thank you, God, that there's no problem that I can't handle. What's, you see, life is coming. 
Because faith comes by hearing. So he's quoting Isaiah 61. To preach the gospel, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Let me stop there. One of the things I didn't touch there, because I'm trying to move quickly, Genesis 3. Because of what happens there in Genesis 3, so don't think that your choices don't matter. Your choices matter. You're either moving forward or you're moving in the wrong direction. A system came into place that God never intended. It's the world system. And it is man's way of trying to get their needs met without God. That's the world system. That's, the, that's it. And most world systems are looking for what can only be found, pretty much everything, are looking for everything that can only be found in God. Man is on a search for the kingdom. Jesus reintroduced the lost kingdom to the world. And this is why it says, when Jesus comes in this manger, he tells those shepherds, it shall be good news and joy and peace for all people. Here he is coming into alignment. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, catch this, and recovery of sight to the blind. What does he want to do? He wants to unhook humanity from living in hell on earth and now bring them into eternity because what does he tell us in John 17, 3? This is eternal life. Eternal life does not begin when you get when you go to heaven, it begins the moment you get born again. This is eternal life, that they may know you. So what does he say? Heaven has now broken into this world. Philippians 3, our citizenship is not in this world, but in heaven. And we eagerly await Jesus. Why? Because he's coming again. But in between then, we have a responsibility to do business till he comes. But catch this part, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Your liberty comes when the eyes of your understanding begin to be governed by the truth of his world. And what did he teach? It is your mind. It is the lens. It is your belief system. What's the foundation of what he, what he taught? First thing he taught. First thing he taught. He comes on the scene. Repent. Change your thinking. Change your thinking. But he also modeled it to his disciples. They haven't caught anything all day. We've toiled all night. What's that? Toil is a symptom of the world system. And he models what the kingdom of God is. He gives them one, light word, one lightweight word of knowledge. Same. See where they've caught nothing all night. And in the morning where fishermen tell me, I don't, I don't fish. I've never fished. That's boring to me. But I've asked fishermen. Oh, you don't normally don't fish in the morning. They're not biting then. He's in the morning. He tells, throw your nets to the other side. You can be in the same situation as someone else, but when you're with God, abundance is your portion. What did he do? He transferred systems through his thinking. Heaven came to earth in the form of God's word to him. Repent, change your thinking, change your thinking, because I have revelation. If you don't change your thinking, if you don't change your mindset, 
There's a kingdom that's come here and now that will bring heaven into earth in your life, change your family's life, change a nation's life. But if you don't change your thinking, you can't receive it. And, but it didn't stop there. Didn't stop there. He said, if you believe, if you believe, if you believe, if you believe, you'll do the works that I'm doing and greater works. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, and they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And it was all over scripture. Only believe. Woman, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. What you believe has happened to you. And then what does he tell uh, uh, Thomas? I, you know, it's cool that he was an apostle, but I don't want to be remembered as doubting Thomas. I'll only believe if I see the fingernails. And he worked with him, but he also says, blessed are those who never see but believe by revelation. An unsaved, unredeemed man who he was not sent to comes to him one day. And he says to him, my servant lives tormented. Come. We, 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 I, and, and, you know, I have an issue. He goes, I will come. I always think, I, I'd like, I'm going to get the selfie with Jesus. We're going to record it. It's going to be awesome. What does he say? What does he say, though? What does he say? Oh, no. I understand not only authority, but I understand the power of your words. So only speak the word. I like that part, but I like this part even better. He says this, Jesus is perfect, and he marvels at a heathen man's faith. He goes, I've, he said, I've not, he said he marveled and he goes, I've not seen faith like this even in my own people. It's a prayer I have. Lord, let my trust in you. Let Jesus marvel. As you have believed, let it be unto you. Revelation and faith go hand in hand. You must wrap your heart around what God's revealed. How do you wrap it? Sometimes you, you might not understand it, but I just do it really simply. So, Lord, I come into alignment with that word. Lord, I don't know how, it, how, how all that's going to apply to my life, but I say, let it be according to your word. Why? He said, take heed how you hear. Means be really attentive to what you're hearing. And don't let it go. Remember a number of years ago, right before COVID, this couple was ministering. I was ministering the next night and they taught and I just grabbed their hand. I said, I receive the word of the Lord from the man and the woman of God because I couldn't let the moment go by without receiving what I needed. Matthew 16, and we'll land the plane here. I want you to see something here. Verse 17, pick up the story. He's asking them, who do you say that I am? But he answered this. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father 
who is in heaven. Because he tells them, you are Christ, the son of the living God. You are Christ, the son of the living God. You are Christ, the son of the living God. And then he tells them, what does he tell them? The senses did not reveal this to you. But my father who is in heaven. And he, tell, he makes this statement. And I also say to you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I believe that Jesus is giving us a lesson there too. I believe he's also saying, on revealed knowledge will I build my church. On revealed knowledge will I build my church. Very next story, though, is really funny. Not really funny, but I can identify with it. Yeah, it's funny. God is funny. If you don't enjoy walking with the Lord, you can get born again tonight. <laughs> you can. Very next story. This is also what Revelation does. You know, one of the keys to all this is just make a decision every day. Here I am. Your word is first place in my life. I'll obey anything you say. I will do what you ask me to do. I'm yours to command. And it's okay. He'll work with you. If you're like, I, I know you want me to do that. Just become fully convinced of what he said to you. Listen to that word day and night. Meditate on that book of the law. You just eat it like you eat cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory, really. <laughs> Very next story, because this is what it's like to walk with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is like, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be turned over. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. I heard the kingdom message. You also said, take up your sword. And I got some people, see, something in his heart was revealed. Something came up, a misunderstanding, a paradigm shift that he needed. See, he's constantly upgrading your paradigms. Religion wants you to settle in the current paradigm you're in. So he's like, no, 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 I got, I got the CD teachings, and he starts playing Jesus' message. Kingdom. They've abused me, Jesus, and I'm going to be in your administration, you know. Me and Trump, we're going to take over. No, just joking. Sorry, sorry, sorry that up. The demons start moving when you start saying that one, you know, Trump. You know, they really do. You know. I pray for President Trump. I'll say, I was going to say something honorary, but I'll leave that to myself. But, um, and Jesus, what does he tell him? And in one moment before that, in one area, he goes, you nailed it, Peter. You got this one right. And he goes, get behind me, Satan, for your mind. See, so telling him, the lie is. The lie is because you're, you, gotta, you got 100% in that area of your life. The lie is that you don't need an upgrade in another area. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What's the poor in spirit? I don't wake up looking to find out what's wrong with me. I just, the Lord makes it really clear. A little upgrade there. <laughs> but what I do is I present my body a living sacrifice. And then I'm quick to go, oh, that's not right. Oh. And how do you know it's not right? Usually it's first words. What comes out of your mouth when the pressure's on. 
It's not bad. It's not to shame or blame you. He just lets it come out of your mouth so you can hear it. And you can either choose to be a victim or choose to go, oh, no, that's in there. God, I hand this over to you. And if you're having really trouble with something, probably need to go someone to get the creepy crawler out too. It's a powerful thing. Don't go to everyone. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, you don't need to tell everyone. Like, I've heard people say, come up and you can share with us. I'm like, I'm not going to that church. <laughs> There's some people you don't need to tell your problems to. <laughs> Find a safe person. Because Jesus forgives you. And then there's a healing that comes. And there's a power that comes where you're like, I'm having trouble overcoming this. And I'd really like to see freedom. Tonight, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, but lay hands on everyone. And there's a call in my life to um, part of the ministry that the Lord has given me, just laying on a hands impartation. 2005, um, I was in uh, Mexico City, and uh, we had just an amazing move of God. And um, the word came to the pastor, and he said, you'll go around the world, you'll carry reformation or revival, and you'll release the glory of God through the laying on of hands. And so tonight, I'm just trusting God to do that. There might be prophetic words as like, whoa, but um, I believe the main focus is just transfer of anointing, impartation, and um, I'm not confident in my own ability, but I am confident in the God who's called me to stand in front of you. I'm going to believe it's going to be like Jesus laying hands upon you. Thank you for being patient and listening tonight. But I had an assignment here today. And um, if you need to go, God bless you. I don't know when the Giants play. but uh, <laughs> all, the eagle, all the Eagles. Eagles. Uh, you're Eagle fans. I'm sorry. <laughs> You need to go to Deliverance just for being Eagles fans. If you've been to the vet to watch a game, you know, some of you. But, um, but I'm just going to pray a corporate prayer here. And um, then I um, believe they're going to receive an offering for our ministry. And uh, the offering part, just do what the Lord tells you to do. Don't do any more. Don't do any less. I know as a ministry, we pray for every seed sown into our ministry that God's people would get the harvest on their seed. Don't let anyone ever tell you, you can't expect the return. Jesus gave a son to get many sons. And um, anyway, if you just receive this word tonight, just lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the hunger we sense in this room to these your people. Now I, I hey, bless these people in the name of Jesus to move into a greater place of understanding and revelation, God. God, I pray that you would stir a hunger in them for the word of God and for the things of God as never before. I say blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see God. I bless you tonight with James 4 verse 8 that as you draw near to God, he would draw near to you. I bless you with the courage to deal with painful things, challenging things, traumatic things. But I say you're going to come out looking 
like beautiful Jesus as never before. I bless the unique purpose for which God has brought you to the earth. I say that God truly released something unique in the earth that never has existed when you were born. I bless that purpose. I bless, in the name of Jesus, a deliverance from all those lies you've ever been told. I bless those lies of not being good enough. I bless those lies of unrighteousness and condemnation and guilt that you felt. I bless you to be strengthened in the power of his might. I bless you tonight with a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. I bless you for the eyes of your understanding to be open to know truth. I declare that you will be a lover of truth and the word of God will be your highest standard. I declare that no one will pull you astray from the purposes of God. I bless you like a Joseph to dream a dream that actually impacts generations to come. I bless you like a David in the name of Jesus to have the heart of worship. I bless you to live for one thing, that one thing you would desire and one thing you would seek, that you would behold the beauty of the Lord. I declare that your greatest delight is in the pleasure of knowing God. I bless your voice to be the voice of God in the earth. I declare by the authority God has given me in the kingdom of God, I declare tonight is a night of divine alignment. I bless you to leave a legacy. I bless you like David, what Luke said about David, that you'll serve the purposes of God for your generation and then you'll die. I declare in the name of Jesus, like Catherine Coleman, you will say, you did your best to do what God asked you to do. Be strengthened. Be blessed. May you always rely on God as your source and the blessing of God. May your mind be prosperous. May you live prosperous in every way. May you live to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.